Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome Lawyer Business Advantage, Ashi Aurora with iRise Executive Coaching. Ashi, how are you today? I'm great, Ali. Thanks for having me on your podcast here. So glad to have you on the podcast finally. It seems like we've been wanting to do this for a long time and we finally pulled it together. So really, really excited for today. And today we're talking about imposter syndrome, particularly as it relates to attorneys. And so Ashi, just love to hear from your experience. How have you seen imposter syndrome show up with attorneys? Yeah, would it help if before I go into that, I define it a little bit because... No, 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 please don't define it. Yes, that would be wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I I still do run into people that, you know, will often say like, I'm not sure what that means, or I don't know how I can connect with that. And I want to start off by saying whether you see it in yourself or not, you definitely will see it in someone around you. In fact, the research states about 70% of people identify with feelings of imposter syndrome at some point or the other. So I, I think it's an important topic that that everyone should have some involvement in, should at least briefly understand it. So if it does show up, it's it's important to recognize it, be aware and do something about it. So imposter syndrome is a series of reoccurrent feelings and behaviors associated with one's belief that they're not as qualified or as accomplished or as competent as others may believe that they are. So there's this feeling of like fakeness or phoniness. And some may associate it with like, oh, I'm I'm so worried of getting found out that everyone thinks I'm really smart or I'm really good in a certain area and I'm really not. And so there are fears associated with being found out as not being this great, competent, professional as others may see that person be. And so it really afflicts high-achieving individuals. We see this in a lot of different areas and how it really shows up for lawyers in particular. And it's no surprise to me that it shows up for lawyers. I mean, you work so hard to get into law school, then you work so hard to get through law school, and then you work so hard to pass the bar in your state And at every step, there's so much work that you put into, so much effort into whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And then at the same time, you're also, you've grown up in this educational world, at least, of competition and increased competition. And so it, it can come, it can put you in situations to question, like, am I really good enough for this? Like, look at all these smart, competent people around me. Like, am I really as good as they are? And then also like this feeling of perfectionism, like you have to really like nail like your exams and nail so many different steps. Um, when you're doing cases, there's so many things you have to get through a case in order to get to that successful point for your client. And so as you're going through all of that, it's it's like, again, like I have to be perfect. Otherwise, it's not going to be good enough. And if it's not good enough, am I good enough? Am I worthy? And that's where a lot of those feelings start interplaying and, and get mixed up. But So Ashi, is there, a, I guess, what is the difference between uh, the imposter syndrome 
and lack of self-confidence? Or is there a difference? Yeah, great question. So I look at them as different spheres. So lack of self-confidence can show up. For some people, I think it's, you know, it, it shows up all the time. Or for others, it shows up in certain things that can happen. Someone with imposter syndrome, it's like they're feeling it all the time. It's showing up very often, very constant. And then it's also like, what's what's kind of triggering it? So yes, there's a bit of a correlation, but they're, they're almost two different planes. Just because someone lacks confidence, it doesn't mean necessarily they feel like an imposter, like a fake or a phony. They, be, they may just not feel as self-assured or willing to take risks. But someone with imposter syndrome, yes, there is a level of lack of self-confidence, but there's much more than that. Got it. Got it. Well, it's no surprise to me that this is a big challenge amongst attorneys. The culture of a lot of law firms really kind of lends itself to this because from whether they're a, a first-year associate all the way through, their work is constantly being scrutinized by their supervising attorneys and partners. And a lot of those attorneys don't really know how to give feedback properly. <laughs> and so yeah. it can be really, really direct. And then those attorneys, of course, themselves learned in a culture of perfectionism and all of those things. And so that's how they operate. And they kind of pass that mindset and that operating belief onto their associates. And it just seems like a law firm, a traditional law firm could just be a total breeding ground for, for this kind of situation. If an attorney has imposter syndrome, what are some of the consequences of that for the attorney? Yeah. So one of the big consequences, potential consequences I've seen is self-sabotage. So what is that? So what happens is if I'm an attorney and I'm in a law firm and I'm feeling a lot of these reoccurring feelings of imposterism, like I'm not good enough. So therefore, since I'm not that great, I'm not, I don't feel that good enough in, in what I'm doing. I'm just not going to engage in the activities that's going to make me feel worse about myself. So that could be, for example, um, maybe volunteering for certain cases. It could be speaking up in, you know, maybe a room, a meeting with other attorneys in there. And then as a result, others may start questioning, like, this person doesn't look like they're working that hard. They're not volunteering for stuff. They're not providing any kind of feedback. They're not interjecting their opinions when we're, when we're talking about different things. And now you've started that self-sabotage loop because you're not going to necessarily be offered some of those special cases, or you're not going to get involved, or you're not going to be noticed, or your opinions are not going to be, well, they're not going to be heard. So they're not going to even know if you have an opinion about something. And so then it's it's questioning like, well, are you really the right fit for this group? Are you the right fit for our firm? And, and that's where you create that self-sabotage loop. So it's it's definitely one of the big drawbacks. I think the second drawback, and this might surprise some of your listeners here, is, you know, how many times do people identify some attorneys as being narcissistic? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really believe we find narcissism in all different areas. I would argue, I don't think there's one group of professionals that has more narcissists than others. I think what happens though is sometimes imposter syndrome 
gets seen as narcissism because there's so much insecurity about being found out as an imposter or that feeling of imposterism that a person goes the complete opposite and their behavior is very disruptive. Their behavior is very harsh, direct, very much like, oh no, I'm never wrong about anything. You know, there's a lack of like accountability or admitting to mistakes because it's like, oh no, no, I can't let anyone in. It's like this huge guard that comes up because the insecurities go so deep. And so they come across as being really difficult to work with, um, being more narcissistic, like never being wrong because they don't want to be found out that they are. And so when I get called in to do sometimes disruptive behavior coaching, layered underneath all of that sometimes is is imposter syndrome that's coming up in, in really disruptive behaviors. Wow, that sounds like a really, really stressful way to live one's life uh, to be dealing yeah. with this and then compensating for it and overcompensating for it. Oh my gosh, that just sounds sounds awful. Yeah. And so when you're brought in and when you've seen this in action uh, with attorneys, um, we've talked about the effect on their professional life and how it can inhibit their career. What about the potential impacts on their personal life? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really can impact, let's start with well-being right? Well-being is a huge one that it can impact. If if I'm constantly feeling like I'm in the workplace working as an imposter, how good am I going to feel about myself? How well am I going to be able to manage stress? How is that going to bleed into other areas of my life? It will because I'm not going to find as much joy in my career. I'm not going to feel good about the work I'm doing. And that is going to bleed into all other aspects of my life some in some shape or form. Let's take the disruptive behavior person, you know, that's maybe coming across as a narcissist. It's probably not just coming out in their professional life. It's probably affecting their relationships personally as well, where they may not be as easily, you know, able to get along. Another way it can show up personally is maybe not wanting to engage with others, right? I mean, you're so exhausted by these thoughts and feelings, like how much time do you have to feel like you can do anything else? And so personally, it could be showing up in in not being able to bring important relationships in your life, which we know is a huge aspect of well-being. It can also show up in numbing behaviors. What do I call numbing behaviors? Behaviors that you don't even realize you're doing and they are not really serving much purpose for you. What's an example of that? Yeah, scrolling through social media and not realizing where you've been for the last half an hour, an hour, overindulging in alcohol, in drug abuse and whatever, excessive sleep. Although for most attorneys, I feel it's more lack of sleep, sitting on the couch, watching TV, but not really understanding what you're watching. It's just kind of on there and you just totally checked out. Yeah, just checked out. Got it. We're going to get into, you know, what people can do to address these behaviors in a moment, but Last question about this before we jump into that piece is what are some of the signs that you look for? Because a lot of this stuff is internal. Most people may not be able to see it, but you might have picked up some signs. So what are some of the things you look for that lets you know that this person may be dealing with imposter syndrome? Yeah. So one of those is back to the example of the attorney who's in the meetings and you know they have something to say, but they're not speaking up. And you notice it time and time again. Or this can even translate to 
um, attorneys who have their own firm and then they have like associates or paralegals or admin assistants. And it's like, they're not really speaking up. And so, you know, start asking questions or trying to get them to, to like, like point out like, Hey, I want to hear what your opinion is on this. So that might be a sign. I think another sign is the attorney is walking in day in, day out disheveled, you know, like, you know, the ones that are like, I mean, we, we feel this sometimes some of us have felt this at different points in our careers. Like they're just really struggling to get into work. And so asking certain powerful questions around what's happening, what's going on, what are you finding that you enjoy in your career and what are you finding that you don't enjoy? And I know I'm kind of muddling up two questions here, right? Like one is identifying the signs and then what to do about it. Cause I'm like, I can't speak of the signs without like talking about like, totally, totally. You see someone else, here's, here's some of what you can do. Yeah. And to your point, you know, a lot of these signs could be signs of other things. I, I was just mentioned, I was just thinking as you were talking about this, a lot of owners, law firm partners might be listening to those signs and, and like their first thought might be, well, I don't think my team has imposter syndrome. I just think that they're totally checked out and not engaged in the workplace. And it's so interesting because we hear a lot of studies and a lot is going on about lack of engagement in the workplace, especially from generation to generation and all of this. And a lot of those symptoms are very, very similar to imposter syndrome that you're mentioning here today. And I don't know that you ever actually figure out which is which until you know they bring in someone like yourself who can dive deep in and figure out what's really going on because yeah. it could be one or the other or both or something else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't necessarily, you're right. It could be certain signs of lack of engagement. And that's, that's an episode for a whole other day <laughs> to speak of, but there's a lot of things that could be going on. I think another sign is the language that people use to describe themselves um, and what they say. So it could be like something as, oh, I'm so lucky I, I won that case. People high in imposter syndrome use the word luck a lot to attribute and to say that like, oh, they did really well on something instead of saying, oh, I'm I'm so glad I did this, this, and this for this case, and that's how I won it. So luck, attributing success to luck rather than skill, very yeah. common language that's used um, amongst people who, who struggle with that. Makes sense. They're like giving away their their credit. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Which is great. Like you're crediting the team and you're crediting others. But when you're starting to say like it was luck, it's like, well, no, it wasn't luck. You put a lot of effort in it. Right. right. Own that. And that way also you can learn from the successes of that to replicate it again. Because it's hard to replicate luck again, right? (laughs) It certainly is. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about what people can do. Yeah. If, If they recognize that they have signs of imposter syndrome or they feel that that's in their team. What are some things they can do? Yeah. So what you just said, awareness is first, right? So listening to the first part of our conversation here and trying to recognize some of the signs is huge. That's that's definitely going to help anyone pause and think about it, right? Like pause and go, wait, do, do I feel this? Does my team member feel this? Huh? So giving a bit of a term to it helps to engage in more understanding around it, right? The second thing that I tell people that I have found very helpful and successful in my practice and is the foundation of my coaching is learn about strengths. 
So if you're feeling this in yourself, think about what are my strengths? And and I know that's like an odd, like strange way to, you know, suddenly jump to, but I'll tell you this, LA, most of us are pretty well conditioned and programmed to know exactly what our weaknesses are. We know um pretty, pretty strongly, we can recite them really quickly. But when someone asks you that strengths question, it really like sends a pause. I mean, I, I watch this all the time. I, I do this in a lot of different workshops too. And it's like, huh, I don't know. I really have to think about that for most people. Some do it really well. And for others, it's like, whoa, wait, what are my strengths? What do I bring to the table? What makes me unique? And so I work with clients on identifying their strengths. And I I do this through a methodology that's backed by science. There's an assessment to it and whatnot. But you don't need to have the Clifton Strengths Assessment to tell you what your strengths are. You can write them down. You can ask other people around you to write them down. You can spend a week observing what you've done really well and what achievements you've had and figured out why those achievements occurred. So now you're getting around that, that feeling of luck, right? You're really starting to analyze and dissect what are the achievements I've had and why? Like, where was my involvement in that process? When it comes to seeing imposterism in someone else and how you can help someone else, it's the same thing. Like, talk to them about their strengths. Ask them the strengths question. What are their strengths? And then supplement it with what you see their strengths are. Because that gets the wheels going about, like, helping to validate that inner voice that's saying, you're terrible at this. You just got it because because of luck, you people are going to not realize that you're that great and you're a fake or a phony. You need like that pot more positive voices inside or inside and externally to say, no, 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 here's what's actually happening. And so it's that validation of what your logical mind, your rational mind knows to be true. Because for most attorneys, I mean, you're not going to be very successful if there isn't some level of confidence. And markers of success. Stuff is happening well that you're doing. It's a matter of tapping into identifying what it is, which gets to my second point is not only tracking, understanding your strengths, but tracking your achievements. So I work with my clients on on brag booking and just the word brag like makes people feel uncomfortable, but someone who's really struggling with imposter syndrome, like it's going to be very difficult to get to the whole spectrum of like being super arrogant. Like it's just, it's really not going to happen. You're you're going to move to a place of stronger confidence. And so it's okay to use the word brag booking because it's for yourself. And it's tracking down and identifying those braggable items, whether it's writing it down, saving it in a folder, posting it up all, you know, in visuals all around you. Because again, it's that validation and reminder that, hey, even though I have all these negative inner thoughts, all this other stuff is is where my rational mind should go, my logical mind should go. So I want to jump in and just ask you real quick about something that probably the attorney entrepreneurs that are listening, some of them are thinking about this. Well, Ashi, you haven't mentioned just fake it till you make it. Oh, gosh. get your opinion on that. (laughs) Okay. I'll be really honest. I don't like it. It doesn't feel authentic. And I know that like, if you Google like top imposter syndrome strategies, it's going to come out as one of those. And to me, what I really try to coach leaders to is authentic leadership. And authentic leadership starts with 
figuring out your, you know, that, that authentic self, really like that relationship to self, understanding who you are, what you're great at, what's natural to you. And so if you're trying to fake it till you make it, it doesn't feel authentic. Well, it sounds super stressful too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, still with that being said, it doesn't mean that you can't get uncomfortable and take small action steps toward showcasing and understanding your confidence and and your confidence as your power. But you don't have to fake it to do that. And Ashi, um, you offer a lot of services on your website, including dealing with imposter syndrome. So what are a couple of situations in which you work with attorneys and law firms? Yeah, so one of them might be like partners where one may be excelling in one area and then the other might be struggling with maybe relationships with certain people in the firm. So I will work with the the attorney that's that's willing to try a different approach than what may have worked. And that's not to say that person necessarily has imposter syndrome, but maybe they do. And so it's it's definitely something that I, I work with clients on coaching them through that. Other attorneys have come to me when they're looking to scale their business and something's holding them back and they know that there's some inner work that they have to do. They just don't know what it is. And so I've had great successes with some attorneys coming to me where they're like, I have these fears about scaling, but I want to scale. So that word fear is is really powerful, right? So it's something that I can tap into and, and help identify and help an individual work, work on that. The other is culture around culture. So you may have a firm that doesn't know how to define their culture is really trying to understand it, but it feels negative. There might be turnover happening. People might not enjoy coming to work. And so I come in and with a strengths-based approach, create a strengths-based culture with one or two or a certain number of key stakeholders. And we bring strengths into the team and identify how to really move the culture towards something that's much more strengths-based. It's a more positive leadership structure. It leads to increased employee engagement and um, ultimately then the the productivity that the attorneys are looking for. Those are some three really powerful areas. And what really resonated with me is uh, doing the internal work because attorney entrepreneurs, if you're listening, if you're trying to grow your firm or trying to do something that's way outside your comfort zone and you feel like you're not able to get there and you've kind of hit a plateau or you've hit a ceiling, it's because there's a constraint. And that constraint can either be external or it can be internal to you. And you know, using the 80-20 rule, 80% of our constraints are internal. So if you are trying to do something in your firm, grow your firm or do something challenging and you're, you feel like you've hit a ceiling, you've just stalled out, there's probably something internally that's holding you back. And working with the right coach can certainly help help you break through that, help you get on your way. So that's that's fantastic, Ashi. What are you excited about over the next year or so with your coaching practice? I'm actually super excited about expanding my speaking practice. So I am um, I, I go nationally and I talk about imposter syndrome, and I'm really looking to expand that even more in 2024. So while I do webinars as well as in-person seminars, 
I'm also going to be going into the keynote world of keynote addresses related to it. And I'm developing a whole new series around how to make imposter syndrome your superpower. Oh, I love that. If people want to learn more about that or they want to connect directly with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So if you go to my website, iriseexecutivecoaching.com, and you can put in a note there. It's it's really easy to connect with me through there. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm in there daily. It's um, under Ashi Aurora, double A-S-H-I, last name Aurora, A-R-O-R-A. Awesome. Ashi, thank you so much for joining us on Warrior Business Advantage today. This was terrific. Thank you, Ale. This is great. And I love all the work you do with your clients too, especially on those external factors, which I know you do really, really well. So thanks a lot, Ashi. Yeah, we are blessed to be doing what we're doing. No question about it. Everyone, that's Ashi Aurora with iRise Executive Coaching. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.